As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. And I'm Gabriel Marcotti. And we thank you for joining us. The Premier League is back. No Nations League for the next month. We'll be talking about Wilfred Zaha's pleas for protection. And it's all business, of course, uh, with Everton's approach for Marco Silva, which... uh, I suspect we'll make some lawyers some money. <laughs> in the studio with us, it is Alison Rudd. Hello. Hello. And uh, down the line, the Northern Football Correspondent for The Times, it is Paul Joyce. Good morning. Morning. We are going to start with five-star Liverpool. 15 points out of 15. Joint top of the Premier League after a 2-1 victory over Tottenham at Wembley. Uh, Jürgen Klopp said it was a bad result because the scoreline didn't reflect their dominance. Alison, how impressive were Liverpool? Well, they were impre- they were incredibly impressive. And in fact, it was only when I sat... Because I watched that on TV and then I watched more games on TV. And that sort of, in that condensed period of time, I realised just, just how slick and efficient Liverpool were. But speaking as someone who supports Liverpool, I found it a very, very uncomfortable watch. I know Klopp said it was the best performance of the season but surely it was the most uncomfortable for him. There was something about the way everything was rather lovely and then it broke down with either the final pass or the finish. And when that happens to a team, you sort of sense that it's sort of breeding a, a, a just a tad of nervousness throughout the team. So as the game progressed, I felt there was that impending sense of doom that it's not going to go right. And I know, I know we keep saying... Liverpool look just so different this season because they're clinging on to the lead or they're, they're dominating and they don't play well and these are, this is a sign of someone who could be a champion. But I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think it's good for anybody's nerves to go... If this is, if this is going to be Liverpool's season it's, and, and we win the league that way, it's not going to be enjoyable, put it that way. Joyce, are you on board with this? Because, I mean, I look at it and I say, you know what, you create a lot more chances than the opposition. The opposition only score because of you make a big boo-boo. I'd be with Klopp. You know, the result bad but then again who cares because three points is three points but more important is the performance which was really good against supposedly a good side yeah i think i i, I take a couple of points i i agree with allison you know the results should have should not have been in any doubt towards the end of that game and, and i think something that's going to be to watch over the coming weeks at liverpool is the relationship with with the forward players because i think we've gone from being selfless to a little bit selfish this season. And I know we always talk about strikers need to be selfish in front of goal, but I think there were two or three examples at the weekend and also against Leicester previously where I don't know whether it's the the confidence that they accrued last season because they scored so many goals, each of those front three, but there doesn't seem to have been the the passing to each other as much as there was last season. I think that's having an impact on the scorelines in games, obviously, because they're not, they don't seem to be playing for each other as much. Salah seems to me to be a bit preoccupied with 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 scoring the goals all the time, and and I, I know that sounds daft, but I, I think there's been opportunities where he he could have passed the players and hasn't done. Similarly, Mane at the weekend 
I think that's something that will annoy Klopp because he's very much the team first ethic and ethos. And if that continues, I think I think he's mentioned it a couple of times so far. It was the reaction when Salah didn't pass at the weekend against Tottenham, and he was pretty irate on the touchline. I just think that's something that that he'll want nipping in the bud. You hung out with uh, Naby Keita last week. Um, yeah. Talk a bit about that. And also, one interesting thing about him, and some people believe it's because of the way that the deal was structured. He was an absolute monster two years ago. Um, yeah. Last year, he, the whole team, but he in particular, had, by his standards, uh, a really, really rough season. And obviously this year, I think he's come out of the gates well. Did, did he discuss that at all? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I found him good company. I think he was. Uh, I think he's still finding his his bearings. I think he started the first two games well, left out of Leicester, and then subbed at the weekend. I think it's partly what you mentioned then about the expectation that's on. We we want these players to come into English football, hit the ground running. They've got to be be scoring goals, laying on assists, and and when they when they don't do that, I think there's a little bit of sort of. You know, we look at them and start scrutinising them and think something's not quite right with them. I think he 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 was quite revealing that he said he, he found that the sort of speed in the Premier Premier League quite eye opening, um, and the physical nature of it. In that he was saying, compared to Germany, the referees here let a lot more go. And so that consequently means that the game never gets a chance to slow down. As you pointed out, Paul, in your piece, he's only been here five games, but in his head yeah. he's been here for a whole season. And no wonder he had a poor season last season, because in his head he was playing games for Liverpool. Although he was thinking about the move, the, the unique demands of the Premier League mean that he he's needed and will need a, a continuing sort of adaptation period. I wouldn't be surprised for, for Tomorrow, for example, if he doesn't start the game against PSG, I think Henderson comes back into the team. Um, I think ordinarily Klopp would maybe want to leave or with a thought about maybe leaving Milner out, but I think Milner's playing so well at, at the moment that it's impossible to leave him out. So I wouldn't be surprised if Cater comes in and out for a little bit as he gets up to speed. But certainly Klopp and, and everybody that you speak to has, has no doubt about him going forward. That makes Liverpool probably stronger than they were last season. Uh, Paul, you've obviously just mentioned there the PSG game. Uh, they've got a huge couple of weeks coming up, Liverpool. Yeah. Their, their schedule reads, as you say, PSG. Then you've got Southampton in the league, Chelsea in the League Cup, Chelsea back in the league, Napoli in Europe, then Manchester City. A really important few weeks yeah. coming up. Yeah, I don't think it's a defining period. We like to, as journalists, we like to package these these sort of runs of fixes as this is going to make or break the season. I think it's too early in the season for that, but I think Klopp will have a much better idea of what Liverpool are able to do this season by by the time the Man City game finishes at the start of next month. Um, I think it's going to be a test of his management and how he rotates the team because he's he's made only one change to his starting lineup so far this season. So he's not really utilised the the Shakiri, the Sturridge, Fabinho, obviously he's been well trailed, but he's only he's not played a minute yet for the team. So it's going to be interesting how he brings in these players over the next sort of month. All right, enough Liverpool. Let's talk about the England centre forward, Harry Kane. And I know we're kind of going over old ground here, Alison. 
James Gearbrandt did a great piece on this uh, a while back looking at it analytically since his injury. Um, we've got a pretty telling graphic here comparing his performance last year in the same fixture. What's the deal here? I mean, I know it's really difficult from the outside. We're not doctors, and if we were doctors, we wouldn't be doctors who had uh, who had examined Harry Kane. Is this where maybe Pochettino regrets not having a plan B? Should, should, should you just sit him out, try something different? Try, I don't know, Lucas Moore and Llorente or Son or whatever? Well, it's difficult for Pochettino because... Yeah, it's Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Harry Kane says he's fine. It would be very easy if Kane said to to his manager. No, but go to him and say, "Harry, you can say you feel fine, but look, this is you last year. This is you now." It's partly what defines Harry Kane, I think, and why he's so revered and popular and considered a really great striker is his personality. It's it's the fact that he he just keeps going and. There was that whole idea that, well, he had one great season, he got two on the trot. Oh, he can, he can. And he keeps going and he keeps going and he, he answers all questions put to him. He doesn't shirk, he doesn't sulk, he, he wants to play every single match. You suggest to him, as was suggested after the game on Saturday, that maybe he's just a bit tired. I think, you know, put, they put it nicely, you know, you won the golden boo, you've had a tough summer, maybe you could do with the rest. And he doesn't want one. So if you are his manager and you override that element of his personality and say sorry mate we just feel you are going to be better he'll turn around Kane turn around and say yeah but I start badly or relatively badly most seasons and I think that's how I get to be so good is that I I ease my way into the season you have to allow me to have a dip in form and then I'll get better goodness knows what will happen if you make me rest I might never get my momentum back Alison, you have a column in the game, uh, imaginatively uh, entitled, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> you make a point about Hugo Lloris and, uh, and and how maybe he should no longer be Tottenham captain. Can you elaborate? briefly, elaborate. briefly tell us why? <laughs> Spurs' line on this has been that Lloris has said to them he will accept any punishment they deem fit. So they seem to think that's enough to prove that he's contrite and has learned his lesson. I'm astounded that Larice hasn't said, don't give me the, the armband. I don't think he should be punished more because he's in the public eye. I don't think he should be sacked by his club or, or, or given some sort of financial penalty just because he's, because he's famous. But I do think if you have the captain's armband, it says a little bit more about you than just, I'm a very good goalkeeper. He's going to stay a good goalkeeper, regardless of whether he's made this mistake or not. It's a ter- drink driving is a terrible, terrible thing. Nobody should ever do it. And if if the man who's done it in in a high profile case still wears the armband and wants to wear the armband, it's really saying, as I said in the piece, it's making it water under the bridge. It's saying he got away with it. No one was hurt. He's contrite. We'll all move on. I don't. I don't think that's a grown up way of approaching it. He did make a dreadful mistake and. Surely we should want to send out the message that he knows it was appalling behaviour. It was out of character. He does not normally drink, but he did it. And all it takes is one mistake. And, you know, cars are lethal weapons if they're not treated properly and driven properly. So he should have said, I don't want the captain's on van. I don't, I'm, I'm, le- I'm, le- I'm less of a person, actually. I'm less of a leader for having done this. Let's, let's show that we mean, we mean that we're going to learn from our mistakes and maybe send out a message to just, if it stops just one young Spurs fan from thinking they can get away with an extra beer before they get in the car. It's worth it, I think. 
This season, with your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times, you can watch every highlight and every goal from every game in the Premier League. It's just £8 for an eight-week trial. On the other side of Merseyside at Goodison Park, Everton suffered their first defeat under Marco Silva, while Manuel Pellegrini enjoyed his first victory as the West Ham manager. Uh, and it capped off what's been a difficult few days for the Toffees. As Matt Dickinson reported in Friday's Times, the Premier League have asked for an independent inquiry, which has been launched into Everton's recruitment of Silva that could result in the club facing a substantial fine or even a points deduction. The club made an approach, of course, with Silva last October when he was the Watford manager before eventually getting their man this summer. Paul, uh, how much uh, hot water are Everton in? I think it's a very uncomfortable situation for them. I think they'll probably be surprised that it's still ongoing. I think there's been attempts to try and mediate between the the two clubs. I think they would have hoped that that something could have been sorted out maybe when they signed with Charleston in in the summer. I mean, Marco Silva said on Friday he has zero concerns about it but then he he would say that when he's asked about it I don't think it becomes a a, a distraction as such but I just think it's something that shows how Everton has changed and as a football club people would probably three or four years ago say it was un-Everton-like to get embroiled in this sort of thing Bill Kenwright when he was chairman would want to do things properly for want of a better word I think this probably shows a little bit more of how Farhad Mashiri would would want to run the club a bit more, maybe aggressive in certain situations. Maybe Everton needed that in in, in some in some ways. You're talking about a billionaire owner who, who goes after something that he wants. I have no problem with it whatsoever when it comes to when it comes to players. This is the reality of it. It's generally unenforceable. It's. I mean, Joyce. I think we all know that it's not as if you know that this whole like whoa permission to speak to whatever. Players have agents for this very purpose. Yeah. Um, deals get done early. I mean, you were talking about Keita before, right? He was yeah, tapped yeah. up by Liverpool, wasn't he? I think when it comes to managers, it's completely different. I mean, because I'm old, I remember this absurd situation, which I found absolutely grotesque. And I thought you guys were all mad in this country. When George Graham, I don't remember if he went from Spurs to Leeds or from Leeds to Spurs, but it was actually during the season and like, you know, Leeds played Spurs in the middle of it while this whole thing was going on. Mm. I thought to myself, man, y'all freak out about the integrity of the league and, ooh, mustn't have too many loans. This player's on loan. He can't play against his parent club. And then you got managers speaking to rival clubs during the actual season. I mean, I think Dicko touched upon it. He wrote a piece last week. Yeah. He said, just, just have a rule that a manager can't move to another club during the season which, by the way, is what they do in most normal countries. I'm sort of for that in a way. I think a manager should stay with the club. If he's sacked, then I don't think he should be able to get a job until the next season. I think what's interesting in this case is why Watford have continued the complaint to this degree. Do we believe that Watford didn't have contact with Silva when they got him from Hull prior to... You yeah, weren't trying to get him right then and there during the season. No, that, I mean, yeah, that's, that's true. That's the main difference. But, but if, if Everton had gone to Marco Silva and said, listen, Marco, let's agree now that you're going to join us next year, right? Also, also, I mean, the same way, I don't think any of us believe that Manchester United had no contact with David Moyes, right, when he was still at Everton and he knew Fergie was leaving. But if they had yeah. done that, then it would have been fine because presumably Marco Silva would still be like, okay, well, 
I'm here at Watford till the end of the season. I still have an incentive to do well so that Everton, you know, Everton fans don't think that they've hired some fool. And I think it would have been okay to go and try to say like, oh, you know, like we're going to offer you a job and we want you to come now or in the next couple of months. That really is destabilizing. Yeah, and I think that's the. I think it's they've obviously gone and done that, and then not taken no from an answer off Watford. For one of the better phrase, it sounds out sober. They've gone to Watford. Watford have said no, and yet they've still gone back. It sounds like they've still gone back and done, or allegedly they've still done other things to try and destabilise Silver. And I think that's why Watford are intent on seeing through this case because it's not. It's not unusual that a, a club appoints a manager mid-season what is unusual that is that we, that we now have an independent inquiry that could lead to a heavy fine I don't think it would lead to um, a points deduction where has this happened before so it's the alleged conduct of Everton in persisting with the pursuit of Silver I don't think going to Watford and Watford rebuff it if it ends there if Everton hadn't done anything else after that point I don't think we get to this situation as you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Now the Champions League is Woo-hoo! back and uh, there's an excellent uh, column in the game about it uh, on, on, on Monday, talking about how like it's you know basically a giant TV show with all the stars on it, and, and we love it, and um, and it's a massive it's a massive cash cow. In terms of the English clubs, Allison, Liverpool are playing Paris Saint Germain. I think that's maybe the plum tie of the round. Gary Neville told Matt Dickinson that because Gary Neville really cares for Liverpool's well being, um, <laughs> that they should quote kick the Champions League into touch and focus on the league itself. They have a pretty tough group with uh, with Napoli as well. Maybe that decision will be made for him. But where do you stand? Well, I think it's really interesting that it's PSG that, that is Liverpool's first opponent because they have the inverse approach, don't they? They rested um, Neymar and Mbappé in the league on Friday, thinking we're going to stroll to another title in France, but what we really need is Champions League glory. And can you do, I mean, can you do that? I don't think you can. I think you don't play a staggered approach. You, I mean, I'm not saying you can't rotate, but to, to, that's just so obvious why you're resting those two players, because you want them to absolutely be the very best against Liverpool, who are finalists, let's not forget, and will be feared by most teams in in the European competition. So you've got a team who are putting all their eggs into the Champions League basket and then you've got a team who've been advised that they can't possibly try and reach the final again and win the league. Who doesn't like them and is heavily associated with... <laughs> uh, but who claims, who claims that this is neutral advice? <laughs> right. But, it, but, it's, but it's, I mean, regardless of, of whether you feel Neville is, 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 is stirring it up or not, it is an interesting point. It is an interesting well, point because because Liverpool have suddenly gone from being a team that didn't have enough depth to cope with the end of the season as it was to a team that ooh can they fight on both can they win the league yeah. and the Champions League now and maybe another another Natalie, trophy Alison in between. Natalie probably doesn't remember this, um, right. but you and I do. There was a man named Rafa Benitez who coached Liverpool, and in 2005 he won the Champions League. He did just that, right? He 
rotated in, 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 in the league and stuff, and Liverpool were bad, but... In football terms, that is, worked, that is an right? era ago. That is an era ago. We're talking about now and how you approach it now and the, the way teams spend money and who they spend the money on. I think it is... In, come on, Gab, it is interesting that PSG have got such a easy life in their domestic division that they can put everything into Champions League and Liverpool are left thinking oh my goodness it's the first game in Europe and we're supposed to worry about whether we can fight on two fronts I wouldn't rotate if I were Klopp I don't think he will rotate you know beyond those positions that are slightly interchangeable you know Henderson coming Mm -hmm. back or whatever simply because if you screw this up and you drop points here your next game is Napoli away and that's sandwiched in between Chelsea and Manchester City in the league so that, you know, it, it then becomes a possibility that you're, you're on, you have one point or no points after two games, and 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 then that becomes that becomes problematic. Um, Inter and Spurs is kind of funny because they're two teams that are not doing well at all right now. And are Inter seventeenth? Have I, have I dreamt that? No, hang on, they're not seventeenth. They can't be seventeenth. No, but they have like Where four are they? points. They they lost at the weekend against Parma, and yeah, I don't. I mean, it's four. They're thirteenth. Unlucky for some, they are thirteenth. I think for both, it's it, it it's a it's a situation where weirdly they have an imperative to get back in the Champions League next year, especially Inter. So the league is important, but then equally that they're in the Champions League, <laughs> they got to find a way to make it work. Um, I don't. Know, I, I still think. Spurs probably. Inter are hugely unpredictable, but then so are Spurs. So to me, that this goes any which way. Mm. And Inter, of course, back in it what's for the first time since 2012. It's been a while since yes, they've been in it's Europe. Been, uh, certainly has been. Uh, Manchester City uh, are playing as well, of course, this week. They're taking on French opposition as well. They're hosting Lyon. Uh, City, very much the bookies' favourites to win the whole competition, which the owners would be delighted if they actually can achieve that for the first time. Yeah, although Guardiola's guarded against saying it's his priority and I'm surprised the bookies have made them favourites because if you look at the list of teams that win the Champions League there is familiarity it's the same old same old Mm. and City aren't part of that clique at all so they're going to have to really do something extra special I suppose they're capable of it but I mean I'm surprised the bookies normally are conservative and they go with what has gone before so I am surprised and City are just so good, though. That's the, and you can and you can poke holes in so many of the other, so many of the other big European clubs, right? So you know, Real Madrid have a new manager. They lost Cristiano Ronaldo. Barcelona Valverde isn't still a bit of a question mark to some. Certainly, the style's different. I think it might even be better suited to the Champions League. But obviously, Iniesta's gone, and you're not sure how Coutinho and Dembele whether they're going to kick on. Bayern have, again, a new manager coming from a small club or a smallish club. Uh, they haven't added anybody other than Goretzka. You know, Juventus have added Ronaldo, but then they're older. And they've watched Chesney between the sticks. PSG are playing with like 10 guys and have nobody on the bench. So they have Chupamoting on the bench. What I don't think is in question is I'm actually pretty bullish on Manchester United in the Champions League because I could see a situation where... Mourinho just gets frustrated, and they get to the round of 16, and he parks the bus, relies on the individuals, kind of coaxes United through. De Gea does his thing, and I think they can go deep. So it says here, banana skin for United? I don't think so. Well, it's AstroTurf, isn't it? It's young boys, let's just they play on young a, boys of Switzerland. They play on a 3G pitch, don't they? Do they? They do. I, I think, think they, they do. do. <laughs> I think you're right. It is artificial, yes. 
And so United. We'll go. Ooh, this is funny. <laughs> I I think they'll be just fine. And one guy who's not just fine, in fact, who's annoyed. And this is a broader theme. Is our pal Wilfried Saha. Cool stats here from our uh, from our producer Charlie Jones, who clearly went and added this up. He says in the last five years, only Eden Hazard has been fouled more in the Premier League than Zaha. Mm-hmm. Well, Gary Lineker says Zaha should take that as a compliment. But that won't be much comfort if he gets seriously injured because he's not happy. He wants more protection. Um, he referred to Etienne Capoue's challenge, Zaha, on him last month with the uh, raking of the studs down the back of his calf. And he says opponents are out to hurt him, quite simply. Do you think they are, Alison? Yeah. Well, I don't, well, no, let's not say they're out to hurt him. They're out to intimidate him early in the game. And this is part of the problem because they are a one-man team in many respects Palace the stats say it they're a great team Palace great team spirit but if Zahar isn't playing they can't win they can't even draw so if you are the opposition and you're unlucky because he is playing you think first of all you think oh we've got Palace with Zahar in the team okay well we can we, we know what we need to do we just need to make sure we intimidate him early in the game if you commit a extra robust foul early in a match it, it's not official <laughs> guidelines but what tends to happen is the referees are just a slightly more lenient if it's the first 10 minutes they just are so you're more likely to get away with a more robust tackle in that period of time I mean the, the most obvious illustration of that was in their game against Watford because there was that horrible tackle on him which I think should have been a red and Zaha was very very quiet for 50 minutes okay, or so after is... that so it, it does work doesn't it if you intimidate a player with a, with a tackle a bad, heavy tackle. And, and just let him know you're there. Just let him know that, you know... You, and if you just make him quiet, then I, I can see I can see why tactically he feels he's being bullied. Have, have we moved on? I mean, I remember sort of 10 years ago, and I, and I agree with you that that was a pretty common um, trait. Equally, I just want referees to apply the laws of the game, right? And back in the you know, sort of 10 years or so, there was this idea that like, oh no, referee, you're spoiling the game if you send somebody off, especially early. And you had this sense that everybody kind of had like one free hit early in the game. I think in general, we've moved away from that. You know, and now you just want, you know, if, if a guy commits a red card offense in the third minute, it's a third minute. That's the way it should be, right? Referees tend to be just slightly more forgiving in the opening 10 minutes of a match. Mm. What do you make of the, the, the decision for Zaha to come out about this? To come out and speak about it? And a lot of players wouldn't necessarily come out and, and say that. Well, he's, that's, that, that's who, that's, that is him. That's the character he is. I've interviewed him and he will, he will air his grievances. He will say if he feels something's not right. And why on earth would we deny him his freedom of speech to do that? And not enough players do say what they really feel. They say, they say what the party line should be or the safest line should be. I don't really like the fact um, he, Gary Lineker told him to sort of... It was a bit like, oh, grow up and take it like a man, I felt, was his comment. It was issued a bit like that, like, don't whinge, it's a compliment. Although I would, having said that, I would say... Maybe Zahar should look at the way Hazard deals with it. Hazard is consistently harangued, fouled, niggled at, nipped at, nibbled at. He's always... And he, he might roll around a bit, but he always gets up straight away and he doesn't ever become inhibited because of it. Neither does he become angry because of it. It's, it's almost as if he parks it in some sort of zen area of his brain and he just carries on, which is one of the most impressive things about Hazard's game, I think, that he does that. So well, maybe Zahar needs to learn that, OK, it's not going my way. I have to learn not to let that affect the way I make my next 
run? I, I, I'd suggest, though, that it's a bit different in the sense that Hazard gets, gets fouled a ton, but he obviously has a different body type oh, than, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. than Zaha does. Zaha, I feel, a lot of times gets hacked down when he's in, you know, in, 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 a, in a full sprint. And, and, and obviously he's taller, presumably heavier than, uh, the, the, than Hazard, uh, at least a little bit. Whereas Hazard has that low center. I just kind of feel like Hazard ride can, can ride tackles better. Uh, they're normally, you know, he's normally not at full, uh, at full speed when it happens. I don't know. I, I don't want to see really good players get injured and, and this mentality of this whole, like, let them know you're there. I kind of feel like we football's moved on from that. You know, it was fun a long time ago. But now it's... Okay, Gab, you're the manager of a team facing Palace and Zaha's in the team. Mm-hmm. And you know that gives them much, much greater percentage chance of winning the game. Yeah. What do you say to your players? Well, you deny, try to deny service to, to Zaha. And, you know, what I would hope that I could do is if there's situations where you have to foul, bring him down without hurting him. When you rake your studs, you know, if, if the objective is to hurt him, you can just as easily trip him or pull his shirt or whatever. If you go and you rake your studs against his leg or, or you go in knee height, that's actually very dangerous. That can then earn my player a ban as well as breaking Zaha. So that would be, you know. Yeah, you're not going to... I'm pretty sure if you were a manager, you wouldn't instruct your players to hurt another player. I don't think you're that type of chap. But you're, you're going to focus on him, aren't you? And if you focus on a player, he's going to get fouled more. It's just the way it works. Stop him at all costs. Yeah, I don't know. But I think the nature of fouls that he suffers, I, I think, is a bit... Out of line. I don't think these are these are game fouls. I think people sometimes take certain liberties with him. Where you know, if I get the ball, great. If I don't, well, at least you know I gave him a good whack. Let's see how we're doing in the predictions. Adam. Yes, I'm very excited about this one, Gab. It is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, we had our games to. to come up with our predictions over the weekend. Friday night, we predicted Celtic would win at St. Marin in Scotland, but we didn't account for the King of Coleraine. Is that how you pronounce it? Is it Coleraine? Just Coleraine. Coleraine. There you go. The oracle that is one Orin Kearney, Carney. Sorry. I, I need to spend more time in Ireland. Uh, he's the new manager of the Buddies. I had no idea St. Marin were the Buddies. He knew Celtic would get a man sent off in the first half because he's clever. And he was able to secure a goalless draw against Allison's old mate, Brendan Rogers. <laughs> Not bad, eh, to, to begin your managerial career. Remember, of course, he was part-time, wasn't he, before? Uh, in League Two on Saturday, we both correctly predicted a draw in Michael Duff's first game in charge of Cheltenham. That was against Crewe, but neither of us predicted a goalless draw for that one. How could we have? <laughs> we both went for Chelsea to ease past Cardiff. Now, I almost called the 4-1 scoreline. Um, but it, instead, uh, I'd opted for, for, for 3-1, so didn't get full points for that. Mm, so close, Gab. But it was in the Premier League where I really excelled myself. Not only did I correctly predict wins for Manchester City and Arsenal, I guess... So did I. Yeah, I know you did, I know. But I actually got the scoreline right for both. I said 3-0 uh, to City over Fulham and 2-1 to Arsenal at uh, Newcastle. So that's my first win of the season, Gab. 3-1, I'm coming back. All right, we'll just see about that. Uh, in the meantime, why don't we put Allison uh, in the hot seat with some quick hits? Manchester United stop table-topping Watford, although they do suffer from late-game jitters and David De Gea has to make some big saves late on. Allison, do you want to discuss the light at the end of Jose's tunnel or his scientific Rafa-esque deconstruction of all the Rashford-related nastiness thrown his way by the Mourinho-obsessed and Mourinho-hating media? 
No, let's not bother. Let's talk about the fact that uh, De Gea is back. And that's all that matters to United. They can get away with playing poorly, as they did for parts of the second half against Watford. They can make the most horrendous mistakes they want, as long as De Gea is playing well. This is the reason why they, they were in the top four last season and then rarely ever impressed anybody. People would say, I don't really understand how United just stay up there. It's because of David De Gea. He's back. Well, um, that was good. physically at least you never went away. But um... <laughs> Mentally, he's back. <laughs> Chelsea, of course, hammered Cardiff 4-1 as Eden Hazard stole the show with a hat-trick. Now his uh, manager, Maurizio Sarri, goes so far as to suggest he might be the best player in the world. Is he getting carried away, Alison? Well, he said he was the best player in Europe. All right, then. I got carried away. You got carried away, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Wayne Rooney is outside here, but, uh, so Best it, so. player in Europe, then. <laughs> uh, no, but he's certainly one of the best players in Europe. But this is just clever man- management because you have to get the best out of Hazard for Chelsea to do well. When Hazard has gone off the boil or sulked or not given it his all, that is surprisingly or not surprisingly coincided with Chelsea having a very poor season. When he's in the mood, Chelsea are in the mood. Keep him on side. Keep him happy. He also <laughs> said he could score 40 goals in a season, which I think would be more than twice his highest goals totals yet. Arsenal went away at Newcastle, and Granite Xhaka scores a magnificent free kick. Now listen, I think Xhaka gets uh, more stick than anybody at Arsenal, not named Skadran or Mesut. Is this some kind of turning point? Uh, turning point for him, personally, no, because he's always been capable of something spectacular like that. But it is padded around with lots of um, mistakes or lack of the ability to impose himself in midfield. He's just not quite the top-class midfielder that Arsenal would need, beautiful though the goal was. And the most significant thing about that game was, I think, Mesut Ozil's smile. I reminded me I hadn't seen him smile for such a long time, I'd forgotten what that looked like. And there was footage of him meeting um, a disabled fan beforehand, and that was rather beautiful as well. So I sort of feel if there's a corner being turned, it's in integrating uh, Ozil back into the team. Alison Poorhurst suggests in our pages that Bernardo Silva could soon have us saying, Kevin, who? Uh, he was brilliant, of course, in City's uh, 3-0 romp over Fulham. What happens when De Bruyne returns? Well, what happens is that uh, City implode. Uh, Guardiola cannot cope with that uh, inability to put all his amazing midfielders into the team. And it just goes horribly wrong. And Kevin starts sulking and... Uh, Bernardo starts sulking and uh, no I don't know I mean God knows what you do but I mean that's why he's paid the big bucks isn't it because you, you can't mm. yeah I don't know I don't know what he does I don't know what he does he, 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 I don't know what he does but I, I'll, I'll let him decide <laughs> down to Pep okay Gab this one's for you short and sweet has Cristiano Ronaldo finally scored for Juve? Uh, yes, he has. He scored yeah. twice against uh, Sassuolo. He could have scored another four or five, but his finishing was all over the place. Although that game was uh, uh, overshadowed by, again, you might see this on social media, one of the more disgusting incidents, Douglas Costa. Oh, it's horrible. Spitting mm. into the mouth of uh, uh, Federico Di Francesco after previously trying to sort of shoving him and headbutting him. Um, yes, a long band beckons for mm. DC. That was disgusting. Natalie, how about one for you? As you know, and as I like to remind people, uh, I don't watch the championship. And again, let me reiterate, it's not snobbery. It's just that my job 
means that there are other football matches going on at the same time, because on Saturday, the Premier League plays, a bunch of other leagues play, and on Tuesday nights, it's often Champions League. So this is why I don't watch the championship, okay? It's not snobbery. Still, I am very interested in Frank Lampard, because he used to play in the Premier League, of course. (laughs) I Uh, see the link. (laughs) And his experience at Derby County. Um, I'm already thinking... We saw Furious, Frank, Ooh, we this did. weekend. Yes, we did. Rather unusually, it took seven seasons for Frank Lampard uh, to get his first red card in his playing career, but it's taken him seven games to be sent off as a manager. Uh, the Derby boss was sent to the stands after leaving the technical area to argue with the fourth official on Saturday. Uh, he was angry over a handball decision. Uh, it really did cap off a difficult day for Derby, who had earlier conceded a penalty, had Tom Lawrence sent off in the second half as well. Uh, Rotherham held on for the 1-0 win as Derby lost for the first time in four in the championship and Lampard is going to read the rule book again he says because he thinks the way it goes at the moment if you're going to be sent off for what he was sent off for every manager every game will be sent off but anyway I can't believe you're not tuning in to the championship do you not know where Brentford are right now we're I, second you're second we're in, second in, a in point a off Leeds no, no uh. that's fine it's fine and I know you you didn't have a great experience last time you were in the playoffs I think you'd rather just lock up automatic promotion I think, right? yeah season's done now yeah there you go that's all we've got time for today. Many, many thanks to our excellent guests, Alison Rudd in the studio and Paul Joyce. In case you didn't guess from the accent, up on Merseyside. <laughs> Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet for only £8 for eight weeks. Search The Times subscription for more information. We're going to be back this Thursday ahead of the Mighty Hammers hosting Chelsea. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone.